Welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. We've got such a great episode lined up. We're kicking things off with an interview that we did actually a couple of months ago with Sal from Fat Merchant. And so we're going to get into that in a second. And we're going to talk about these changes that Visa is making to interchange. Now, you know, that interview got pushed back a little bit because of the coronavirus, but it's like, you know, it's really time to start talking about this. Uh, this, this change did get pushed back by Visa back to October. Um, and so it's like, okay, we need to start talking about this. So I'm excited about that interview. Then Patty has a great insiders report for us today on contactless payments. Um, this is, uh, I think, a bigger opportunity and a bigger risk than a lot of ISOs and agents recognize. If your portfolio is not ready for contactless with everything happening with the virus and, and hopefully things coming, you know, coming out of that and opening the economy back up, uh, you are at risk. Um, and this is going to be your biggest opportunity to get out there and, and sell these small merchants and flip accounts as well. So a huge opportunity, something we discuss. Then I get into questions from the field. I talk about, uh, I answer a question from an agent about pricing um, cash discounting, which is a huge area of confusion in our industry. So we have a great episode lined up for you today. Let's dive into our interview. I think you're really going to get a lot of great information from it. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. Okay, everybody. James and I are here today with Sal Rematula of Fat Merchant. He's a founder and president. How are you doing today, Sal? Good. How are you guys? Uh, we're wonderful. Doing great. Yeah, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> hey, so thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us on our on our podcast here. And one of the ways we like to kick off the, each podcast interview is a little backstory. So maybe if you could give us an idea of, uh, you know, uh, your background and uh, what brought you to the industry and and to uh, uh, creating Fat Merchant. Absolutely. So. Uh, my background, I, I sort of bounced around. I, uh, I worked for Morgan Stanley, Deloitte Consulting up in New York City, um, lived in San Francisco, uh, started a company or worked for a startup, I should say, out there called Anaplan, where I led customer success in a, in a full sales division. Uh, and then transitioned to um, Fat Merchant, where uh, the company was actually started by Sanira and myself. Um, Sanira is actually the uh, CEO as well as my sister, so right. that has its own dynamics as well. Um, but now it's a it's a family owned business, and we're about 110, 120 people strong now. Oh wow! Um, and what we do, yeah, it's, it's been a fun journey of growth. We do about six billion or so in payments today. Um, we cater to a uh, a mid market SMB is what we would call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really folks that are. Um, they're continually growing their business and looking to adopt new technology as well as save money. So we offer a flat subscription-based um, processing rate. So it's interchange plus zero. Uh, on average, customers save about 30 to 40% with us um, switching over. But um, the ROI goes beyond savings. We, uh, we have a full integrated platform called Omni um, that helps um, SMB customers bridge together um, all the ways that they take payments. So think online payments, in-store payments, um, all into a single dashboard, one place in the palm of their hands to be able to manage their business and then integrate with all the tools that they use, such as QuickBooks, MailChimp, et cetera. So uh, it's been okay. a fun journey. We're you know proud to have our five to 6,000 customers that work with us today and mm-hmm. um, just continue to, uh, to continue to grow and excited to be here today. 
By the way, so I, I got to jump in real quick on this because uh, weren't you guys featured? I saw something on LinkedIn. I think didn't you guys win an award recently? For I was just going to mention Forbes that. or something, right? Right. Uh, yeah, that, I appreciate calling it out. U.S. News uh, officially ranked Fat Merchant as the the number one credit card processor in the United States. Uh, we were tied with Square. Square won, uh, I believe, uh, the the lower end merchants. So people that are doing about less than ten thousand dollars in credit card processing, sure. and anybody doing more than ten thousand uh, dollars for Fat Merchant. So we were we won that in in, uh, in the first place prize. Uh, with their review. So that was a, a very cool, yeah, humbling experience, something that we've awesome. always looked at. Right. Um, and I also so thought, very, I very proud of that. didn't I also see something on, um, was it, and, and it could have been a repub of, of the U.S. news, but I thought I saw something in Far, Forbes where it was like top yeah. 50 fintechs, correct? It is. We were ranked in the Forbes 50 uh, top fintech companies. Uh, of 2020 and beyond, right? Um, specifically when it comes to payments, just the way that we're approaching it and, and the shift that's sort of happening um, today in the world, specifically for SMBs, uh, how do you continue to differentiate your business in sort of the thriving economy? Um, mm -hmm. it, it's been tough. We sort of help arm people to do that. So really humbling to get one, both of those awards, but both in the same week. It's, it's been fun. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Well, so let's, let's dive in, Sal. I know today we really want to talk about um, this visa interchange rate change. Um, so mm -hmm. as I'm sure you've seen the reporting, you know, the biggest change in a decade, decade or... really hyped it up. Just give us your, your take yeah. on this, like big picture. I mean, what are we really talking about? Is it, is it really a huge change? What have, what have you seen with, uh, with what's coming? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that, um, the change, as many know, or definitely you guys and probably your audience knows that interchange is sort of looked at multiple times. Of course, here I think there's two actual times a year right, that they right. uh, revisit it and um, interchange sort of changes. It's the cost of doing business, cost of processing, and it's really related to security and risk. Um, and so it, it's really around um, the type of card you're ta you're taking, what you are, what information you're providing to the back end to make sure um, that that card is an accurate card, that it's not fraudulent, et cetera. So really the, the changes that Visa is really proposing um, impact one specifically uh, card not present um, transactions. I think it's okay. the first mm -hmm. place they're really trying to, to take a look. Um, but there's, there's positives and, and negatives just depending on the industry you're in. So for a lot of people, whenever they look at sort of interchange rates changing, they have this connotation that it always goes up. And in this case, there are some areas where it's gone down. Mm -hmm. um, and for, for Visa, I think they're really trying to get into areas where cash is really, really heavy. Um, think real estate, think um, healthcare, uh, really around areas where they can start to have consumers um, really pay by credit card and help um, wean them off of cash or ACH or other or sort of transactions. Or check, exactly. Right. And uh, where you're starting to see some of the rates rise are on larger transactions, specifically in the card not present world. So think when you pay with your mobile phone or when you're typing uh, your credit card on online, um, the risk on that area has significantly grown. Just the sophistication that's happened in the world nowadays with so many different, um, you know, fraud and all sorts of things happening. Um, so they're starting to sort of shift that ownership back to the merchant. So sure. there's some pros here, depending on what you said, what side you said on cons here. Um, but, uh, depending on who you are, you're, you're getting a version of a, an increase. And for the first time, it feels probably more significant than it has in the past. 
Is it is it only in the card not present cell, or are there other areas where it's, where interchange is going up as well? I mean, I I would imagine some other high risk categories might might be warranted. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's a the rates are happening on both the card present and card not present side. Uh-huh. So, I mean, if we just looked at call it um you know fifty dollars transactions or below, specifically in in like I don't know large supermarkets for example, mm-hmm. and some of the healthcare and real estate, those are almost dropping by 33%. Wow. So, I don't know, yeah, $50 transaction, you know, it goes to, hmm. I don't know, what is that, 30 77 cents or so, something mm-hmm. like that from mm-hmm. $1.15, I want to say. So, it's, wow. it's pretty, pretty wow. significant in being able to save per transaction. Mm-hmm. There are areas where things are going up about 10% uh, for some of those card not present ones in probably traditional you know, online retailers, if you're buying something digitally for a couple hundred bucks, a new suit, a new, I don't know, pair of shoes online, right. those people are going to start to, to feel a little bit of an increase on that side. So um, I definitely think that there's there's some good here by entering into markets that people haven't been uh, looking at cards often. Right. Um, and it really just comes back to being educated in your area. Um, and the last thing I'll say on it is, you know, people look at interchange as, something that they can't control, which um, I think that there's a, a portion of that. But even if you're in a card not present world, there are fields that you can enable on your website, sure. um, such yeah. as zip code, full addresses, mm-hmm. and you can pass on that information really to just start to get into level two and level three processing that just means right. more security fields, frankly, mm-hmm. um, to help lower that interchange even further than what you see today. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what, you know, Sal, one thing I was thinking about with this, I was curious your thoughts on you know, your model that you have where it's kind of like, you know, interchange plus flat subscription rate or however you want to describe it is very kind of transparent. You know, you're passing the true cost through. So this is interesting, right? Because doesn't this have a pretty big impact where the merchants that you're going after, especially the ones where there's the lower cost versus somebody like a Stripe or a Square where they've got that flat rate. And so really the merchants, those that would save money wouldn't in that case. Like, can you talk a little about that and how you see Mm, that playing out in the competitive landscape? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, we, we definitely looked at it. So we, we sort of looked at it, you know, as I said, we do about $5 billion in payments, and we looked at the impact across um, sort of our book and try to figure out right. who are the customers that would be materially impacted. Right. And I think those are the customers that we're proactively reaching out to and saying, hey, here are the things that we think you need to implement on your website, whether that's level two, level three, to be able to hmm. start to take um, a better way of being able to process those transactions. At the same time, our average in the card present for our customers is between one seven to two percent. Uh, in the card not present, it's the two one to two two range. You know, uh-huh. once again, mixture of cards obviously sure, in that, course. and I'm talking about interchange rates here. Um, so we still believe we're significantly less expensive than a Stripe or Square out there. Mm-hmm, right. But I wouldn't be shocked if you start to see some of those changes happening with those uh, larger providers as well. I mean, if you look uh, maybe about two or three months ago. Square finally, finally um, yep. leaned in on the per <laughs> right. transaction right. because they realized that exact piece that the per transactions for these small coffee shops were inevitably costing them way too much than the 2.75% right. flat rate that they had. Um, and that itself was a material, nearly 30 or 40% increase for anybody that was you know, doing more than 500 transactions a month. Right. Um, and so I think that you'll start to see some shifts happen on, on those uh, large providers as well, specifically in the flat rate. But I think for our customers, the, the big thing that we always try to pride ourselves on is 
you're always going to get the lowest cost that's available by Visa MasterCard. Right. And right. in that case, we're always doing that. Right. Um, and so for some people, it's going to be better. For the people that they're going to take a little bit of a hit, we're working with them with our account managers to make sure we help either educate them or see what else we can help offer them to help improve um, the way that they take those cards. Can, if we can just back up for a second, Sal, because I know I asked you, you know, what are some of the ones that are going to see the biggest hikes? Can you give me, give us um, a little, a few examples of where they're going to see their rates come down? Like some specific yeah, so, examples? Yeah, yeah. so the, the rates coming down, I, I think, um, as I said, I think healthcare is going to be uh, one. So doctor's offices, specifically when like you think when about Like when you're paying like your co-pays um, and so forth? I'm sorry, say it one more time. Uh, like the co-pays, you mean? Like I go to my yeah, doctor so and I have to pay so, you know, so much that my insurance isn't going to pay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so re- retail healthcare is what we okay, would call it. Okay, I see it. what you're uh, saying. So uh-huh. think orthodontist, dentist right. office, gotcha. um, chiropractors, okay. mm-hmm. um, really in that space um, where a lot of these insurance and co-pays, people pay with FSA cards. And, right, um, sure. You know, Visa really wants to be able to enable those those folks to be able to take more credit cards. Um, and that's one way. And I'm sure, as you know, that the, the doctor's office where you go in, you, you pay 20 bucks then you get a, a snail mail for another hundred you owe, mm-hmm, and then you got to mm-hmm. respond with another piece of paper for your insurance to cover it. So that's a very, um, cumbersome process as it is when it comes to payment. Sure. And so that's something that, you know, we are really looking to, and we have a full platform that helps with that. But uh, even Visa and these card brands are trying to learn of how can they help enable the rest of these guys to take more credit cards for that. So I, I do, we do see that that being one of the larger ones that um, gets the ability to see uh, a pretty, pretty material impact for them. And then also real estate. And I think real estate, people get lost. They think large down payment, right? but you're really thinking about, um, you know, think about rental softwares. And if you live in an apartment community and there's some, um, Something that you know you do for paying your rent on a monthly basis mm-hmm. or HOA fees and things along those lines. Those are still pretty archaic as well. I mean, um, if you live in a community, more or less HOA is done via check right. um, still to this day, and that's where Visa is trying to say that these are recurring payments. Why can't we enable uh, further sort of entry into credit cards? Okay. Okay. So. So to, to to drill down a little bit more, what what is Fat Merchant doing to prepare um, your merchants or educate them about these changes? Uh, have you been taking a proactive stance on this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the big things to, to note is a lot of this stuff isn't fully fully out there yet. So I, I don't right. I don't know. Right. And I may be correct and come wrong, but I don't think that Visa and or the rest of the Mastercard et cetera have already published those. No, I don't think they have. Yet. Yeah, I think that they've informed folks that this is coming. So. A lot of this is still hearsay in the way that we're having these conversations. We know it's coming. We know that this is the general structure. So right, but once we're able to actually outline – sorry, go ahead. No, I was just thinking because, I mean, if James and I and you have seen those headlines, we know that, that your prospects and clients well, – They've, they've seen, seen the this. headlines that it's coming, but they, they, they can't – they have no way of seeing the actual changes. Right. So, like, right. are they – you know, sometimes people get a little uptight, like, oh, my God, my rates are going to go up. What is my, what is my payment <laughs> yeah. processing company going to do yeah. for me? Yeah, so I think what we're trying to do is we're looking at our active portfolio of about $5 billion in payments and trying to segment it and saying, this is the portion that we believe that's going to be negatively impacted. So uh-huh. I think that's the first place we're concentrating. Sure. Um, and we're trying to get in front, so we have a full account manager, customer success team that's actively reaching out to these customers, and we're looking at things like their, their websites. We're looking at uh, the type of um, – the way that they're collecting payments and saying, hey – 
you know, on your website, it looks like you aren't doing X, Y, Z. And that might be things like getting more information from the consumer, such as making zip code mandatory, um, being able to grab full addresses as mandatory, doing two-factor authentication in some cases. And so the more information that you actually provide um, on these transactions to Visa MasterCard, you're actually able to drop that down. And so we have a full level two and level three product um, here at Fat Merchant uh, that we can start to work with with you Uh to help lower that interchange rate. So a lot of this stuff is just happening in the back, um, back end right now for us. Uh, where we're sort of trying to understand who and where this impacts our customers. And once we know that, then we can start to take that next measure of trying to get in front of them. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you're a customer fat merchant, you know that it doesn't matter what the rate is, you're always going to get the least expensive version that's out there for your business. Sure. Right. right. Awesome. So Salas has been so interesting about the interchange stuff. And I, I want to shift gears just a little bit. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I've known about Fat Merchant for a long time and been able to go out there and see different things. And so I really have a couple questions. I want to shift gears and talk about Fat Merchant a little bit because I think what you're doing uh, is is really just so interesting in, mm-hmm. the, in the industry. And I think a lot of ISOs could kind of learn from the way you're structuring this and potentially even look for partnerships and things. So can you tell us a little bit about Omni? You touched on it earlier but kind of explain the larger vision for what Fat Merchant does beyond you know flat rate, transparent uh, subscription pricing. What are you doing on the technology side that's really enabling merchants to process payments? Uh, you know, I, I really appreciate you asking that. I, you know, I want to say that Fat Merchant is probably a software company that happens to do payments. Exactly. Um, yeah, and, and the reason I, I phrase it that way is we, we believe in today's economy – um, SMBs specifically are frankly uncatered to um, based on the way that all these new softwares and changes that are happening. If I asked you to pay, I don't know, for a slice of pizza today, James, you could pay with your Apple Watch. You can pay via via an app for the, the place. You can go to Uber Eats and order it. There's so many ways that you can order this stuff. But the SMB is the one scrambling to figure out how do they enable online? How do they right. enable their mobile guy? How do they make sure that they can sell it in their store? Right. And these guys don't have the infrastructure to be able to buy not only all these solutions, but now that they have all these solutions, well, what do they do with all this data? What do they do with making sure that their online sales and their mobile stairs are all talking to each other? And if they refund one here, that they can track it back to this invoice. So all of these mm. things happening. Mm-hmm. And what we enable is kind of sticking to this example of, you know, let's call it Joe's Pizza. They take payments online. They take payments in store. They might have a micro point of sale system. They take an authorized Dunnet shopping cart. They might have a swipe simple mobile reader and they use, I don't know, QuickBooks for their large catering invoices. That's four different merchants account, merchant accounts. Mm-hmm. That's four different ways to take payments. Right. And what we do is we bring all of that together in a single platform. You don't have to switch your solution, no training, no nothing. You get one rate with Fat Merchant, one price. And now that we have all of this information, we start to layer on all sorts of third-party data. Mm. So we have a partnership with Visa MasterCard where we bring in real transactional data to tell you how your zip code is doing, how your pizza parlor is doing compared to the other pizza parlors. Uh-huh. We're able to tell you things like weather.com says it's going to rain on Tuesday, and we know that every time it rains, your sales go up by 30%. So you probably want to staff 
more drivers right. today, uh-huh. Mr. Pizza Parlor. Mm-hmm. And that's the type of information that sure. these SMBs aren't getting yeah. that are enabled through our platform. Um, things like review management, we bring in together Google, Yelp, Facebook. So when they get a bad review, we kind of already wrote one up for you, how to respond. Just click this button, we'll respond on your behalf. Right. And so it's, it's really about helping uh, the SMB, frankly, be able to manage their business and let them do what they do best, which is running their business and right. let us do what we do best, which is the payment side of things. Awesome. Love it. Now, my last question is maybe a little off the wall, but I, I'm just got to bear with me here. I'm just kind of curious your thoughts sure. on this. So, so as you're scaling your business, um, you guys have grown, mm-hmm. you know, very, very rapidly, uh, to say the least. So it, throughout that entire time, you've had this really good control over the fat merchant brand name, and it really stands for something. Um, you have, you know, a lot of W2 employees as kind of a sales channel. Talk about your other channels. Like as you're opening this up, I see you guys are doing things with ISVs and even maybe direct sales and things like that. Can you talk a little bit about the channels where you're looking to expand just for our listeners that may be interested in learning more about that? And then also kind of your strategy of like, how do you, I know a lot of ISO struggle with this, like how are you going to control the brand experience and what Fat Merchant stands for as you open up additional channels rather than just, you know, W2 direct salespeople that are sitting in your office? That's a great question. Well, one, we have a, a net promoter score, for anybody that doesn't know, it's a way that they look at um, sort of consumer feedback. Right, we have a net right. promoter score of 70 plus. Uh, wow. To give you examples, uh, large processors sort of sit in the negative 12 to negative 8 range. Right. Mm-hmm. Some of the names like Square, Stripe, et cetera, that you're probably used to are in that 20 to 40 range. And we sort of sit in a company of things like Netflix, Apple, and Tesla. So we take a lot of pride in our brand and being able to provide a great product as well as a great service. Um, you know, that, that's something that's probably very, very top of mind for us is continuously keeping that touch with our customers and sure. delivering on the promise that we fight for every day. Um, and so we do it through a multitude of ways, frankly, whether that's through our platform, through our team, through the 110 people that walk through this office. And then, yes, you mentioned partners. Um, over the last two years, we've been able to learn that the product we offer um, sort of comes through a single API that supports both card present, card not present, and our full platform, Omni. And our product in this side is called Omni Connect. Okay. And it's a way that we can go after any ISV. So if you are um, an integrated software vendor, so any software that's out there that does healthcare, if you're doing retail, if you're doing lawn care, HVAC service, um, we can provide you everything we do for our customers in a single API. So that way we can enable your your software to be able to take payments um, and being able to give it that entire look and feel that we have, however you want it to be embedded in your platform. But without you having to become a payment facilitator, without you having to spend a ton of money on headcount resources, we have a single API that you can integrate into and overnight become a payments company. Um, And that's been a big, big win for us uh, as well as for our partners because they're being able to do what they do best in that same way as provide their software mm-hmm. while allowing us to take care of the payment side for them. Um, but we're doing it in a different way. And so uh, we're really proud of that team. It's uh, continuously growing. It's probably our fastest growing here at Fat Merchant at this point. Um, and we have some very, very large partnerships that continue to come on board um, where we're enabled to, to that. So if you're a software company out there thinking about payments, uh, it's not just about Stripe. Um, they have great documentation in Stripe. And I think, you know, the world pays open edges and those guys of the world um, have just been doing this for so long. We kind of sit somewhere in the middle where you have that human touch, uh, a way to monetize against payments for your software company. Right. Mm-hmm. But 
we have, frankly, the best software, best platform that's out there. Um, and you can go toe to toe with Stripe or anything else out there specifically in this SMB space. So oh, that's uh, awesome. we're really excited about it. Good stuff. So I have to end with one story. I just remembered. I, I, I was definitely like, I have sure. to share the story on this podcast. So, so Sal, you'll get a kick out of this. So uh, my wife, Christina is at our chiropractor. This is like two weeks ago. And okay. she always strikes up a conversation with everybody about credit card processing, of course, because of what I do. And uh, she's yep. like, you know, who are you you know, processing with? And, you know, the reaction is normally like, oh, I'm with this company that I hate. And uh, they said, oh, we process through Fat Merchant. And before she even said anything, like she's not there to sell them, obviously. She's just talking about it. But she's like, the, the lady said, I can tell you that we love Fat Merchant and we would never consider switching. So no matter what you're offering, we're not, you know. And she's like, I'm not even offering you anything. You're like, just, I'm just curious, you know. And she's like, that's funny. You know, my husband knows them. And so anyway, so I had to share that. I thought that was, uh, that was pretty cool. And here we are in Altoona, Pennsylvania, and you guys are having an impact on the market out here. So that's that's a that's a really I, cool story. Yeah, and I, I really appreciate you saying that. I think that that goes back to uh, what we call them our fat family. Um, you know that they're <laughs> out there. They're our, our right. biggest cheerleaders and supporters. And um, you know we we win one customer at a time, and making sure that they all have a great experience. So it's great to hear that. I think uh, we can't have an NPS score without them. We can't keep the lights on without them. So. Sure. That's, um, that's, that's make sure you cool. let, let that customer know, but we're, we're, we're proud. I, I will definitely let them know. So, so Sal, if uh, people want to learn more about you, they want to learn more about Fat Merchant, where do you send them? So fatmerchant.com. Um, if they want to do that, they can also give us a direct call, 407-982-1782. They can also call um, our 1-800 number directly on our website as well. Uh, but once again, we are, um, we're thrilled. If anybody wants to specifically sign up, mention the CC Sales Pro cat, um, you know, web, uh, sorry, podcast, podcast or Green Sheet Podcast. We're happy to give them their first month for free. Awesome. Awesome. So That's great news. And so let me just, just so I can clarify for people, it's F-A-T-T merchant.com. Yes. Correct. And if you would just give us that, uh, that phone number one more time, just a little bit slower. So in case people are driving, they you know might want to stop and jot this down. Absolutely. It's 407 982 one seven eight two. And remember, folks, if you mention the uh, Merchant Sales Podcast or the Green Sheet Podcast, you'll get your first month. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much for your time, Sal. Appreciate it. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by the Green Sheet. For nearly 40 years, the Green Sheet has been the go-to source for news, analysis, and educational tools that empower and connect payments professionals. If you're not reading the Green Sheet already, check it out on the web today at www.greensheet.com. Well, folks, as I was pulling together notes for this uh, podcast, I received an email blast from James on the same topic the opportunities presented by contactless payments. And well, you know what they say about great minds. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, I wanted to share with you today some data that supports the notion that tap and go payments are a big change that's being ushered in by this COVID-19 pandemic. First, there's this from MasterCard. They saw a 40% increase in contactless payments worldwide during the first quarter of 2020. That's compared to the first quarter of 2019. 80% of contactless payments were for amounts under $25, MasterCard said, and that's pretty much a payment range that's dominated by cash. 
So it should come as a big surprise, I guess, that the uh, food chain Burger King is now promoting contactless payments. And I have to put in a little aside here, you know, with uh, the quarantining and all, I admit I'm watching more TV than I've ever watched before. And uh, I was really <laughs> struck the other night by an ad from Burger King touting its new contactless pickup service. Wow. Cust yep, customers, they said, you can order and pay using your mobile and never touch anything. Wow. Uh, and you I know, and you know, that's just going to be, it's, it's, I love how this stuff works, Patty. It's so interesting to me because, you know, the mm -hmm. market just does like, you know, people are like, well, maybe this doesn't make sense or uh, this isn't logical. It, it really doesn't matter. It's the market, you know, the market, has, right. I'm telling you, and you know, we both are on the same page with this. The market has decided that contactless payments is important. And so it's yep. important. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether you believe it's helping with germs or not. The right. market believes it's important, so it's important. Yeah, and, and I think we're going to see more ads like this and more campaigns just promoting it. You know, Absolutely. because let's face it, the, the whole COVID pan pandemic, you know, has dramatically changed our attitudes about a lot of things, including how we make purchases. For sure, for sure. You know, and, and I do think that when it comes to changes like this, once they're made, there's little tendency to turn back the clock, no, you know, no. It's, especially when it, when it, when it proves to be easier, faster, more efficient, um, you know, and, it, and you add to that the benefit of not being a breeding place for germs, or at least a perception of that. Right. You know, and you have a formula for success. I agree. hundred percent. So, you know, while, while different countries are at different stages of contactless deployment and adoption, MasterCard said it's data points to strong increases regardless of country at area, at checkouts such as grocery stores and pharmacies. In fact, contactless payments at those locales grew twice as fast as non-contactless payments during the first quarter, MasterCard said. Hmm. Uh, it, MasterCard also um, did a, surv a survey of consumers around the world in early April. It found 46% have made contactless their preferred payment method. Wow. Yeah, that's big. That's and, huge. Yeah. Yeah. And 82% said they considered it uh, contactless to be clean, a cleaner way to pay. But here's the really telling statistic, I think. 74% said they will continue to use contactless payments even after the COVID pandemic subsides. Sure. Yeah, they started using it. They're not going to go back. They're just not going to go back, you know. And, you know, unlike in a lot of other countries, the contactless uptake, as we've discussed in the past, in the U.S., um, has been trending more towards cards than mobile payment apps. Um, and I found an interesting survey this week uh, by 451 Research, which I believe is part of Standard & Poor's. Uh, they found that among co consumers not using their mobile devices for contactless payments. You know, you have a mobile, mm -hmm. you have a smartphone, it has Google Pay on it, but you're not using it. 60% said that's because they prefer to use their cards. I mean, chalk it up to habit, right? We've right. been pulling our cards out of our wallets for years. Sure, sure. Why, you know, it's, it's a big change to tap rather than dip. Why make an even bigger change and have to go fumble for your phone? Right. And and I think, you know, the, the thing to remember here is that both, you know, regardless, they all use the same technology, near-field communications, mm -hmm. um, you know, to interact with the POS device. So 
why should I have to change my way and use the phone instead of my card? And you know, you know what's really interesting, Patty? It's like I'm I'm actually kind of surprised at myself at how much of a late adopter I've been with this. I'm you know, you know me. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm the techie guy. Like I right, jump you're on always everything. First. Yeah. And and I kind of was. Like I did use I've used Apple Pay and I I've you know, I have my iPhone and I've tried it. Um but, you know, I kind of was like, yeah, you know, kind of I was in that boat of like habit, you know, like, well, right. I don't, you know. And you know what's funny is just recently um, I've, I've, I've been very aware of like how annoying it is that I keep having to, to pull the different cards out of my wallet. Cause I've got, you know, you have mm-hmm. two different credit cards or, you know, building your credit, you're always getting more credit cards and you know, whatever. So I've right. got these different credit cards You know, I have my business card, then I have my personal debit card and I've got like four cards that I use very often depending on the purchase. Right. Um, and I've been like, you know, I know Apple Pay has the feature where you just kind of choose the one you want and you tap, you know what I mean? Right. And I right. always kind of have my phone right in my hand anyway, you know? Um, and it's like so funny because you bring this up and I've been thinking about contactless and I'm like, you know, I think even without COVID-19, I really believe by the end of this year, I would be using Apple Pay every time anyway. And mm-hmm. I think COVID-19 is just kind of like, wow, it's really like accelerated that where people were kind of already. I think if you polled most Americans, they would say, you know, like if you polled Americans and said, do you believe that three years from now you'll be using your phone to make all you know, the majority of your in-person payments? They would probably all say yes. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, it's like everybody kind of like, yeah, it's going that way. I'm just not ready yet. I think what happened is there's kind of that latent demand of like people already kind of wanted to do this anyway. And right. all of a sudden COVID-19 is like, wow, well, if I've got to go contactless anyway, you know, I can I can do the tap on the car. But I, I do think a lot of people are just going to go for the mobile payment and like, oh, well, I got to do it anyway. I might as well just jump in, jump in with both feet because I know this is the direction it's going anyways, you know. Well, and, 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 and sort of that, that Burger King ad I was talking about sort of speaks to that, right? right. I mean, you take right. out your mobile, you know, you I'm not a big Burger King. What are they? Oh, they're the Whopper guys, right? You, you, you know, you, <laughs> right. You, you, you know, you pull up your your uh, Burger King app. You order your your uh, Whopper. You get to the window. You tap it. You're gone. I mean, it's it's an all in one kind of thing. Yep. Um. So yeah. And here's you know. So I wanted to just before we before we uh, wrap this up, I wanted to just also because you and I talked about this a few weeks ago about terminals. Yes. And. Uh, According to Visa, 60% of Visa card transactions last year occurred at POS terminals that were contactless enabled. Okay. So I mean, it doesn't mean they were contactless transactions, but the you know they had the contactless. Sure. Um, and you know the the other percentage that would be super interesting is what percentage of you know if you could split that up between small business and large business, right? Right. Like. Right. You know what I mean? Because I really believe that, you know, obviously I think everybody understands that, you know, Target, Walmart, you know, these right, huge all the top, companies. All the top merchants. Yeah, and they take sure. up, a, I mean, they, they probably are 60% of the volume. So I think it might be a situation right now where the vast majority of the really large merchants are enabled now. But yes. I don't think that the vast majority of the small merchants are enabled. I, I agree. And, and they certainly uh, don't know that they're enabled if they data are. data shows that... Uh, you know, in terms of transactions, about three quarters of those transactions mm-hmm. are coming through those big merchants like oh, Target, so you already got that data. Walmart. Yeah. Oh, very. So let's so let's do the math in our head real quick here. So so you're saying if out of a hundred transactions, sixty of those transactions are, uh, you know, were, last year took place at a terminal that was 
you know, tap and go ready or contactless ready. Well, right? actually, no, 75%. Uh, Okay. No, excuse me. I'm sorry. You're right. Sixty percent. Sorry about that. And then that's okay. And then and then seventy five percent of those transactions right. were at large merchants, right? Yes. So yes. if we take sixty times seventy five percent, that's forty five. Forty five. That only leaves fifteen. You know what I mean? Transactions right. at the remaining. And the mom and pops or the yeah. regionals in those. So yeah, it's exactly. you know it's about you know twenty five percent. It looks like as you know somewhere in that right. I didn't have to run the math and do it in my head, but the, yeah, it's but a much roughly. it's a significantly lower percentage of small businesses that are right. currently enabled for contactless, or at least as of this data being done last year. Right. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Huge, yeah. huge opportunity, and it's like you know again. You know, the market is the market. I mean, it. you know, this is something that, you know, did all the small merchants, was it really that urgent that they all upgrade to EMV compatible devices? Um, no. You could argue both ways, I guess, but I mean, I don't really think so. You know what I mean? But, right. you know, it's the market. And, and, you know, our industry decided that it is that important. And we did want to get a jump on it. And as a result, there were literally tens of thousands of merchant accounts that were sold or flipped. Um, because, hey, your terminal's not, you know, EMV ready. Um, mm -hmm. Here we go again, you know, yeah. with even more urgency because of the virus situation. Exactly. So exactly. I, I really know, think it's just a massive opportunity. I really do. Massive. And, it's, you know, and it's the whole thing, you know, the, the whole idea is that when, when you look at this and you think of social distancing, I mean, this is a really easy way to affect that. Yes, it is. And, it is. and, and it's, a, you know, it's an easy way to affect that. And it's an opportunity for ISOs and sales agents to, you know, push this curve. Yeah. And, you know, Patty, since I already did my questions from the field on a different topic, let me let me just, you know, add, add one more little bit of my two cents here. Please. Um, you know, when you're when you're going to sell this, I would be very careful here. I don't think that you even need to go with a scare tactic, a, you no. know, oh, the, right. the virus, you're going to have to do this. It's going to be required or, you know, or, or right. even, or even, you know, it's not going to be safe if you don't have this. I, I wouldn't go that direction. I wouldn't either. Yeah. I don't think you need to go that direction. The direction you have to go is actually a very honest, a very transparent direction, which is. You know, what we're seeing, you know, pulling this data from MasterCard and things and saying, you know, what we're seeing is as a result of the virus, you know, justified or not, consumers right now are going to want to use contactless payments. They're not going to yes. want to put their card into your grimy old terminal and they're not right. going to want to hand you cash. And so they're going to want to use contactless payments. Um, right. And so you may like that. You may not. I may like it. I may not. It, it doesn't matter what our belief is about that. The market has dictated that this is something you're going to have to have or your customers, a certain percentage, potentially a large percentage of your customers are not going to be happy. Well, you know, here's just a little aside. Yesterday I had to send a Federal Express package to a friend, right? Right. I, I go into the FedEx office. They have these little markers. You got to stay six feet behind the counter, you know, throw your package to them effectively. Right. You know, right. this whole thing, right? It's all done. And then they're like, okay, now swipe your card. <laughs> well, that just makes all kinds of sense, That's, doesn't it? <laughs> right. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, and, and, right. That, and in that moment, I was like, Man, I really don't want to swipe my card. I really wish you would let me tap my card. Right. It's like I just right? went through all of this pain in order to like avoid germs and now you want me to like to touch the thing that everyone card. else has touched. You know, it's right. like Yeah. That's funny. You I know what? It was, but it, but it made me think afterwards. It was like, hmm, I think next time I'll try UPS. 
Right, right. right. And you know, <laughs> you, know, you know, I'll tell you another thing, Patty, that's so interesting is merchants really are kind of grappling with all of this. Like they're, they need experts to come out and show them how to handle this. Um, mm-hmm. One example I think is just hilarious. So uh, I, I have a Chick-fil-A near my office and uh, I go there, you know, uh, quite often for lunch. I know that's one of your favorite places. Yes. Yes. So I go to this Chick Fil A the other day, and you know they have the line. I'm, I'm I like it because it's drive through, of course. So I get up to the window and I hand you know my card. Well, the the cashier takes a plastic container, okay, and uh-huh. and holds this plastic container out for me to put my card in. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And so then I, she takes the card out. Yeah. Of the yeah. Thing, right? So I, I set it in there and then she, she pulls it back in and she takes it out and then she swipes the card through the terminal. <laughs> then, get this, then she takes the card with her hand, puts it in a little paper bag and oh, wow. with the receipt and hands me the paper bag. And I said, I said, you guys know me. I come here all the time. I said, I've never mentioned that I'm a payments professional, but I, can I just say you might, and I know the manager really well. And I said, you know, can I just say, you might want to mention to the manager that you might want to think through this process because everything you just did was absolutely pointless. Right. And you just, other than the fact that you just took extra time and wasted a paper bag, that is the only thing that happened, you know? So it was so funny. The next day I come around and the manager kind of smiles at me. I get up there and of course they have gloves and they just take my card, you know? Um, And it's like, you know, but I think merchants really are kind of lost with all of this of like, number one, like how do we actually protect our employees from germs, especially as things open Mm -hmm. back up? Um, And, but number two, and almost more importantly is how do we give this perception of safety, you know, right. like how do we want to make sure that the, cause you know, the consumers who don't care, um, they're not going to be that put off if you have contactless payments, like that's actually fine. But right. the consumers who do care, how do you show that you're taking the safety seriously? And, and I think contactless is a great way to do that. So anyway, all that to say, boy, I think this is such a, I think it's a huge opportunity, but you know what, Patty, we haven't talked about. It's also a huge risk because if you have a portfolio right now and a lot of your merchants are not set up for contactless just like before if they weren't set up for EMV. Mm-hmm. Uh, your competitors are going to go after them, so yeah, you better yeah. be ready. And, you know, just to go back to what you were talking about with the Chick-fil-A and, and that and, and the whole – and just the whole scenario, it's, it's – I think it's more about – it's more than just selling them on contactless. You know, it's being an advisor to them. Like you were able to, you know, point out to the to the Chick Fil A guy, right? Right. What you're doing isn't necessarily helping anybody. <laughs> right. Well, maybe that's something, you know, agents can be doing. Yes. Um. You know, looking at what what the merchant's processes are and offering consultative, you know, advice on for how sure. they can make things better. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. it'll be so interesting to see how this whole thing plays out, Patty. I can't wait to kind of. You know, hear your thoughts, and, and as we move forward, it, it's just going to be so interesting to me to see, like, you know, how this all turns out. Yeah, I think so too, James. Thanks, Patty. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by CCSalesPro.com, the leader in merchant sales training and technology. If you are an individual merchant sales professional, visit CCSalesPro.com forward slash training to get a free 14-day trial of our all-access pass. If you manage a team of merchant sales professionals, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash ISO to learn how we can help you grow. And now, here is Questions from the Field with James Shepard. 
So, Patty, today I'm actually going to answer a real question from the field. How about that? Oh, how nice. Actually, you've done a few recently. I have, I have. But uh, we just got done with our, uh, you know, how to build a merchant sales team. Right. So, time to dive into some questions. So, this came from a LinkedIn message by John Tortola. By the way, if you want to ask me questions, LinkedIn is a great platform. You know what? I love Patty. Um, I wasn't planning to talk about this today, but LinkedIn has this new thing that I just love. In their messages, you can actually do audio replies. Oh, really? Oh, it's so oh, nice. that's so nice. Yeah, you just say, you know, speak the thing, right. and you just hit, and it goes. Anyway, you know, they have it with the text messaging now right. and the iPhone, but right. I, I really like it. But anyway, so I got this question from John, uh, and he is asking me questions about how to price um, cash discounting. And he's saying, he's, he was asking specifically, do I do it like a tier pricing where it's, you know, 3% or 4%? And then he also asked me the question about um, debit. He said, you know, is, is debit considered cash? So I want to cover this because this is actually a topic that has changed a lot over the last couple of years. Yeah, it has. Um, let me explain what the current trend is, and then I'll talk about the, the application. So the current trend right now is that PIN debit transactions in the industry today, generally speaking, PIN debit transactions are being considered as cash. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, most of the cash discount programs out there simply do not allow PIN debit. Right. So they're setting up their terminal to not do PIN debit. So therefore, they're saying it's all signature debit or credit, and that's not cash. Therefore, we are going to apply our service fee or our non-cash adjustment or our price increase, whatever you want to look at it. We're going to apply that to all non-cash transactions, including signature debit transactions. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, to clarify, that's not surcharging. That's totally different. Surcharging is where you only are adding the fee to credit and not to debit or prepaid. Right. Because that would not be compliant with Visa rules and definitely not with most state laws. So the next part of this question, though is do I have a tier pricing? So do I do like mm. 2% for debit and do I do you know 4% for credit? And the answer is is twofold. So first of all, that's definitely not currently being done. Right. I wouldn't say it's the worst idea ever, but it's definitely not being done right a now. A bit confusing. A bit confusing. And the reason it can't be done right now is because of the technology. It right. just doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So one of the key reasons that cash discounting took off so much faster than surcharging is actually not just the profitability and all of that. It's actually the technology behind it. Mm -hmm. So there is a whole other technology that, that has to recognize if a card is credit or debit. Right. Currently, the only technology solutions that are doing that are surcharging solutions mm -hmm. because they need to not charge the fee on debit. Right. Right. Well, with cash discounting, there's no need for that because mm -hmm. we're applying it to everything. So therefore, the terminal has no idea if it's dealing with a debit or credit card. Right. So you can't really do a tier pricing because you can't charge the consumer more than you're charging the merchant. Right. So imagine if you went to the merchant and said, hey, look, we're only going to charge you 2% on debit and we're going to charge you 4% on credit. Mm -hmm. But then you charge 4% across the board for everything to the consumer. No can do. Now you can't do that. That's right. not compliant. So that's where you run into some issues with it. Now, um, I will say I don't think it's the, the worst idea. In fact, um, I was talking to somebody recently that's building some technology around this concept of, and if you remember this, Patty, we talked about this like, I mean, a long, long time ago, this concept of figuring out what the approximate interchange would be on the yes. transaction and passing just that on. Right, right. Um, I still think that's a brilliant idea of down the road where it mm -hmm. should go. The problem right now is it's not nearly as profitable. It doesn't offer nearly as much in the savings category and things right. like that. So I'm not a huge fan of it right now at this moment. But I think the long story short here is the way that cash discounting is currently working in the industry is that 
the service fee or non-cash adjustment fee, that's not applying to Pindebit because Pindebit is simply not being allowed. Right. It's all going to be signature debit or credit. And in those cases, you're adding it to everything. And you're generally adding the same fee to all of it. Right. The industry average right now being 3.5% or 3.994%. You're right there. So 35 to 4% is kind of the industry average. You will see some larger merchants doing this at like maybe 3%. Mm-hmm. Um, one last one that I will give you that's an interesting kind of variation of this. Some companies are actually doing um, a, a you know fee sharing. I know of two companies in particular that do this. Oh, really? What's the, how does that work? So what they'll do is they'll go to a merchant and say, we're going to charge you 3%. Okay. 3.5%, whatever, mm-hmm. right? What do you want to charge your customers? So then they might say, well, we only want to do a 2% service fee because we don't want to make people upset. So then they're paying 1.5%. You know, so that's kind of the other way you could structure it if you really wanted to, you know, uh, make it a little more nuanced. But again, I only know of two companies currently that are doing that. Now, having said that, I mean, it's not particularly difficult to set that up. But it does require some technological well, tinkering, well, correct? You, yeah. Well, I mean, the big problem here is is collecting the right amount of money. Right. 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 And so, you know, you can definitely make it work. It's just that the way you would do it is if you're, so let's say you're charging 2% to the customer, well, then you have to figure out what's your daily discount percentage mm-hmm. to get that same dollar amount, right. which right. is not going to be 2%. Um, and then from there, the merchant's going to be left with a bill at the end of the month, but you're going to want to make sure that bill total is one and a half percent. So you just have to kind of run the math on it a little mm-hmm. bit um, mm-hmm. and make sure you've got it right. Um, but that is something that I will tell you a lot of the larger, um, uh, you know, companies especially are interested in this. Right. Some of them even want to do it as like a trial thing. Maybe you get a really big company mm-hmm. and you say, Hey, why don't we, why don't we put you at, you know, you're currently, you're, you know, you're currently paying, let's say 2.6% effective rate. Mm-hmm. Right. And I really want to get this account. It's a big account. So I say, look, I'm going to help you because we're going to like stabilize your costs. Right. So we're going to put you on 2.75% flat rate. So it's a little higher, but we got it because we have to cover our variation here. Right. 2.75% flat rate. And we're just going to add a 1% service fee. Okay. Right? right. So now you've taken them really from 2.6 to 1.75, mm-hmm. and you're telling them at the same time this is enabling us to test out you, the customer reaction to this. Right. Right. So right. now it's 1%, and then maybe in three months we take it to 2%. Sure. You know, to really get it closer. And again, I would think that that would be easier with a bigger ISO or acquirer who has sort of the technology, technological wherewithal to do something like that. I don't like know. You, you would think, but I mean, I guess really though, when you, I mean, when you think about it, cash discounting is really these two different things, right? Mm-hmm. We have the thing of adding the service fee, mm-hmm. which is the same no matter if it's 1% or 2% or 3%. Right. Then you have the idea of the flat rate with a daily discount. Okay. Well, you know, as long as you get the technology to add the service fee, as far as the flat rate and daily discount, everybody's got that. Mm-hmm. So you really could implement it either way. It's really more of a marketing thing. Okay. You know, at the end of the day, do we really want to like race to the bottom on cash discounting already? Yeah, just like you did with everything mm-hmm. else. Right. Like, yeah. Let's not do that. You yeah. know, and like I think what was sure. it the Insiders report you did recently about interchange going up ten percent year right. over year? Right. And it's like you know the, they're they're making hundred and seventy basis points already. Now they're making a hundred and you know a hundred eighty. You know, it's like right. as they're raising this stuff up, you know why can't we we make a little bit of money, sure. You know, and so I'm not a big. Why fan should Visa, of, and Mastercard get all the profits? Exactly, right? exactly. Yeah. I'm a capitalist. I want to make money. So at the same time, as I say that, I recognize that for larger merchants, they may, you know, they're doing four hundred thousand a month at mm-hmm. three locations. They're going to think, oh, four percent service fee. That's, that's a, a little. That's steep. a little steep. So maybe you bring them down a little bit, and maybe even let them share in the cost a little bit, mm-hmm. so they can get that comfort level, and you can close a bigger account. Right, and like you said, you can share in it, and maybe down the road when people are more accustomed to it. Right, then you take it up a little bit. Yeah. So interesting strategies. Great question, John. Thanks for reaching out. Great. To me on LinkedIn. Thanks, John.
Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production of Greensheet.com and CCSalesPro.com. And we hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.